If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Hmm. The system. Moving on. So... <laughs> What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a singer-songwriter who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I am never on this quest alone, however. Once again this week, I am joined by Adoria Lewis, an actor, costume designer, all-around funny human being. Adoria, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's the weekend. Still, you know, for a few more hours, but I'm doing great. <laughs> Fair, yeah, I have less than two hours before it turns Monday. Oh, yeah, the, the time difference, is, it's tragic. At least I have, you know, six more hours that I can enjoy. But, you know, you've had your chance. <laughs> that is true i mean like look i went and saw oppenheimer today like it was a good day um i recorded another podcast like it was great we talked about other things that were not movies much darker things but yeah i mean productive it was a good time yeah the the first half of the day was not should i have done more maybe did i sleep all morning maybe envy <laughs> i have sleep envy <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I had a very, very busy, like, last five and a half weeks. And it's still, like, not that it's less busy, but just I have a little more breathing time. Well, gotta be grateful for that. We enjoy breathing. Tends to help. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're here to talk about Fight Club. So... <laughs> Before we get into it, though, I have a question for you, and as you are a repeat guest, I can't ask you the same question as last time, so I have a fun new one, which makes sense based on what we talk about later. But if you were part of Fight Club, what would be your best excuse on why you have shown up with more cuts and bruises? Ooh, ah, that's a, that's a good one. You know, you, you stumbled me with that one. My best excuse is, besides the typical, I fell down some stairs, I would say I was helping a friend move uh, up so many flights of stairs and tragedy struck. So I'd make it a little bit more juicier. I'll keep it basic, but I'll add more meat <laughs> to the sure, bone. what was it? What was it? Like you were trying to pivot and like the couch fell on you or something? Like you pivot. Pivot. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I you know, you can't just tell someone. That's when you get that awkward, you know, stare in life. Like, okay, I don't believe a doorknob hit you, but okay. Like, no, I you know, I was moving furniture and I slipped. Ah, maybe as a female, I shouldn't have been lifting, but I was trying to be helpful, you know, and, and you things lift happen. As a female. Who said you can't lift as a female? Of course you can. Exactly. You know, but I'll just lean into that. You know, if they're going to be sympathetic, you know. <laughs> sure. My excuse would have been, uh, I live in a very busy city. I was crossing the street. And a car or bicycle, I think I might go with bicycle, it depends on how bad the injury was, didn't see me. 
and I got hit. Yeah, I got clipped. Yeah, that's yeah. that is a good. But I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what city we're in in this movie. Oh, yeah, so it's a it's a metropolitan, but um, I don't know which one. I can't say that I can remember either off the top of my head, or if it even was said. It might but... not be said. It might not be said. But anyway, so. Where we last left our lovely story, we're about to learn more about Tyler Durden. Turns out, Tyler's a night person. He has a part-time job as a projectionist because, you know, back in the day, not all movies came on one reel. Now everything's digital, but not everything came in on one reel, and so his job was to switch the reels. And a fun little fact which they explain in the movie is that you would have cigarette burns, little dots on the top right of the screen, and that's usually the cue for a changeover. Now, Tyler really only did this because it gave him interesting opportunities, like being able to splice a single frame of porn into family films. That made me giggle. Oh, I laughed. It was so good. The the facial reactions, too, of the crowd, like, from the, the, the child crying and everything, I'm like, ah... Uh, Probably shouldn't be laughing at this, but I mean, it's hilarious because it really was very brief. And you just know your eyes had been violated in some shape or form. A single frame. Beautiful. I mean, it was so fast that even a hummingbird couldn't catch it, which is why he still has a job. Job. Yeah, <laughs> job. Let's job. just call it that. Job. Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, I guess we're calling it a job. So, but other times he also worked as a banquet waiter. And I was like, oh, he's a fancy boy. He's an interesting fancy boy. But he was a banquet waiter at the luxurious Pressman Hotel. But he was also considered the guerrilla terrorist in the waiting industry. He would season the lobster bisque with piss. He farted on the meringues. He sneezed on the braised <laughs> on dive on dive. I don't know, food. And the cream of mushroom soup. Well, you get the idea. No, I don't. I need to know what happened to the cream of mushroom soup. Let's just say we don't talk about the cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> no, that's Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club, which I have problems with that, too. We'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he is the definition of be careful how you speak to servers. But. I don't think anyone spoke to him any kind of way. This is just who Tyler was. He is a terrorist for real. In the food industry. Yeah, in the food industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, mean, and, and and then, you know, in the film industry because the Oh, one sure. But I I feel like that is like a little more, you know, harmless humor. Out of the two, the film feels like it's less violating, even though technically, I guess it's more violating. Um, I mean, I think Tyler knows his levels and his surroundings and what he will do. <laughs> he knows how to get away with stuff. Like, let's just be honest. He knows how to get away with stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a very smart individual. That he is. But, so... I just noticed this. I mean, they've been doing it the whole time, but how much they actually break the fourth wall in this movie? Like, yes. the narrator's always breaking the fourth wall when he's just narrating, right? Mm -hmm. But 
this one especially, like, he's just talking straight at the camera, being like, hi, this is Tyler. Meet Tyler. And I just think, I always enjoy films, not always, always is a strong term, but I tend to enjoy films that break the fourth wall. They tend to be, I tend to find the humor in it. Because I feel like the characters are a bit more cynical, a bit more humorous, because they kind of know, like, I'm telling you this story. Exactly. It's the acknowledgement, the multitude of layers, and it's a whole nother, like, really strong aspect to something instead of just watching it. It really does, it's like the spice of a movie when they add that. It's, it's, It's great. Yeah, totally. So, Tyler says... We're back to Tyler asking the narrator to punch him. And Tyler says that he's never been in a fight, but wants to know how he's feel. Tyler says he's never been in a fight, but wants to know how it feels. And he's psyching himself up to get hit. And so it goes a little back and forth. And then the narrator winds up and hits him in the ear of all places. The ear. I mean, fair enough. He just said hit him. So, yeah, but he hits him in the ear. And Tyler says, no, that was perfect. And then punches him back in the gut. And then they just start hitting each other. And this is when I had the thought, oh, wait, are they going to start the fight club together? Yeah. Yeah. That was an mm-hmm. interesting little sequence. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it was very interesting because there was no real punch thrown. There was no real, you know, kind of like slap, like... <laughs> backhand you know like pimp slap or something if there was no rhyme or reason to this quote-unquote fight but they were flailing they they were they were they would have had more action if they both held a fish you know mouth side in the hand and the tail was failing you know to slap each other like it would it would have been a little more (laughs) intense (laughs) having fish as swords and slapping each other but it was funny and it led to something interesting and more intense and he's getting somewhere you know so we'll find out where he goes he goes to tyler's home home is a strong word let's rephrase this home is the word house is a strong word so it's a massive house, and it just looks like it's been waiting to be torn down. It's got boarded windows. There's no lock on the front door. The stairs are ready to collapse. Nothing works. Kind of sounds like my place. No neighbors. When it rained, they had to kill the power. Things work in my place, just like it feels like they don't. So, <laughs> I, would, I would hope your living situation is not like Tyler's. <laughs> it's not that bad. I promise I'm doing decent great i i'm I'm (laughs) happy for you i don't want to have to go over there and rescue you yeah no we're not there we're not there we're not there but yeah it's you know i feel it but it's it's what it is this is just where we are now there's not much more than that it's a crappy place terrible place but here we are your other option is the street well, I guess a hotel, but, you know. Yeah, or he could give you-know-who a call, because we talked about that one little phone number just surviving. I mean, he could call Marla, but I feel like he made the right decision calling Tyler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Also, wild to think that this man has two friends. One is Marla, and one is Tyler. But, anyway, back outside the bar, Tyler and the narrator are hitting each other, and three guys see them, they come over, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, they're gonna break up the fight. Nope, they just join, and now there's a group of people fighting outside of the bar. And the narrator is then, you know, we're back in the house, things have progressed a little bit, and the narrator is reading an article by an organ in the first person, while Tyler is riding a bike around indoors. Yeah, and crashes into a wall, and again, I giggle. Tyler crashes into a wall, I giggled. I giggled before that because of, like, some of the names of these, uh... Oregon biographies, autobiographies, I guess. Um, one is I am Jill's nipples, and another is Ooh. I am Jack's colon. Yeah, I, 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 who wrote these? I, I was at a loss at that part. I, I need like, a whole huh? story on the person who wrote this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I need. I'm right. Yeah, me too. But. The narrator continues, he explains that after fighting, everything else in life got the volume turned down, and you can deal with anything. Fair enough. Sure. The narrator then tells Ty if he could fight anyone, he'd probably fight his boss. Tyler says that he would fight his dad. If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Hmm. The system. Moving on. So. <laughs> Intense glare. The system. If you don't know what we're referring to, go listen to the previous episode where we went on a 10 minute tangent. <laughs> so. The narrator then divulges some information. Apparently his dad left when he was six years old. He left, lived in another city. Got another wife, started another family. But apparently, that's normal for the dad. The dad just sends to do that about every six years. I don't know the person very well, but I know of a person that's similar like that. So that's really tragic. That it's kind of really realistic. <laughs> yeah. There are people like that in the world. Definitely are. Tyler says that his dad never went to college, so it was very important that he went to college. He graduated, and then his dad said, get a job, and so Tyler kind of did that, and then Tyler's dad was like, now get married. And Tyler's like, I'm 25, and I'm like, there is absolutely no way you are 25. No 25-year-old looks like that. I'm 25. <laughs> I look like an 18-year-old when I shave. <laughs> I don't know, some, some people just look older for their age, too. So, I mean, we, we can be grateful for how youthful. Look, I, I, I enjoy looking youthful, but, like, wild concept, hey, Hollywood, maybe hire a 25-year-old to play a 25-year-old. I know it's, like, you know, I know it's a wild, wild concept for them, but, like, it's allowed. We exist. I think they're doing that a, a, a lot more these days because a lot of people do joke about like in the 90s and stuff like you think this is really a high schooler. You're selling me on this is a high schooler. See, nah. you say that, but then we have Riverdale. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Which I don't know much about that show, but I do know that they don't look like high schoolers. 
there's a, yeah, there's a lot, you know, and they have, they still have that baby face too. And that's just good genes. But there are other people to viewers that they don't look like high schoolers. I mean, I guess the casting, you know, they look like they fit the bill. I don't know. I just didn't believe that this guy was 25. (laughs) (laughs) The narrator is a 30-year-old boy. That I can imagine. Like, sure, you can be 30. Yeah. Yeah, he does say that about himself. But... Tyler then says, we're a generation of men raised by women, which is just an interesting line. That stuck out to me because that is a lot. Statistically, you know, marriages don't last. Whether that time period or to, to today, like someone watching it today can definitely know that rings true. Yeah. I mean, definitely. My favorite thing is when people say that, like, oh, the kids nowadays, something, something. And, like, they're upset about how, like, the younger generation now acts. And I'm like, well, like, you do realize that you raised the younger generation. Like. <laughs> if that. Some some have no direction. Sure, sure. So, yeah. It's a fun concept. And a topic for <laughs> another day. We're going to move on. So, Turns out, most of the week, they were Ozzy and Harriet. Who the fuck are Ozzy and Harriet? I feel like that was like an old school reference. Great, my question still stands. (laughs) I'm still confused. I think, like, anyone listening, correct me if I'm wrong or whatever, Ozzy and Harriet, like Ozzy Osbourne born and his wife, I thought his wife was named Shannon Osborne. Yes, but I. I That's I think... not Harriet. <laughs> That's Shannon. <laughs> I know. I was trying to reach, okay? I was really trying to reach. I don't know. But. Look, if anyone listening knows who Ozzy and Harriet are, shoot us a message. I'd like to know. Because that reference definitely went way over my head. But every Saturday night, they were finding out that they were not alone in terms of fighting. And the narrator says he used to be sad and depressed and just cleaned the condo when he felt like that. But, you know, he should have been looking for a new condo and haggling with in the insurance company. Hold on, you're showing me something on your phone. The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. It looks like a very nice family. Apparently... It was a TV series from 1952 to 1966. Yeah. Had In 1999, that's a pretty dated reference, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to look that up real quick. I was like, you know what? This is going to bother me. I'm like, there's not too many people out there named Ozzy. So let me let me look it up. Sure. I feel like he probably could have come up with like a reference that more people in the 90s probably knew. Yeah, if he was trying to make a reference of them kind of like living like a domestic kind of life or whatever in this shack of a place together. There were so many other couples or whatever in that time frame from I Love Lucy to I Dream Genie to whatever else. Like there's, I feel that we're bigger. But then again, we didn't grow up in that, that time era. So maybe this reference actually is like really big to certain parts of the audience that might be watching. I don't know. I don't know. I 
feel like he could have done something slightly better, but you know what? I didn't write the script. So here we go. <laughs> I was two when this came out, if that, depending on when it came out. So as I was saying, the narrator was saying that he should have been looking for a new condo and haggling with the insurance company. And he should be upset about the new flaming little ship. But he isn't. He's just not. He's, he's content. He even sees Marla from across the street. Doesn't say anything. Just walks away. So, Which was weird to me. Because he was always so confrontational. Or quick to like address her. And like state claim on his little groups and stuff. So now it's like a, eh, that's just her across the street. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that it does show a bit of the transformation that he's going through, right? And you can see that transformation in that he's not... He can wait until Saturday or when he gets into a fight, and that's when he lets the confrontation out. Right. He's, he he's found an outlet. Finally. Which is not morally messed up. Still kind of messed up, but like, you know, I did Taekwondo, and there is a satisfaction of punching something. Yes, um, Taekwondo does help with aggression. This and one. punching things. But, <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean, though? There, there are so many times when, like, you're so angry that you just want to punch something to just get the anger out. Mm-hmm. And... You know, sometimes it's very cathartic to just let it out. Oh, yeah. Granted, usually maybe don't have another human being on the end of it. But like if they're a consenting human being, then like, okay. So Monday, the narrator says that all he's able to do is look forward to the next week. He's sitting in a meeting and one of the executives says that waste is a thief. And the narrator liked it. And the narrator just snarls back showing bloody teeth. Just very, like, everyone's kind of taken aback by it. I even was kind of taken aback by it. Like, I didn't get that. Like, why? I, I, I can't respond to that either. I don't, I don't know. Fair. <laughs> Moving on. So, apparently we learned that you can swallow a pint of blood before you get sick. Mm-hmm. Fun fact for the audience, there you go. Yeah, now know this information. And it was in everyone's face. But Tyler and the narrator just made it visible. So they walk inside this club, and they kick out most of the people that are there. And then they go to the back, they go down the trap door, they go into a cellar. And we are finally at Fight Club. So... Here are the rules of Fight Club. And the rules are always decided by Tyler and the narrator every week. I'm guessing that they're probably about the same. But here we go. We're going to run through them. There are eight rules in total. The first rule, we all know, you don't talk about Fight Club. The second rule, you don't talk about Fight Club. The third rule, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Fourth rule. Only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, fights will go on as long as they have to. Eighth rule, 
if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. I mean... Pretty straightforward rules. Yeah, cut and simple. We have an issue with the first two. Clearly. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> here's the thing. If you don't talk about Fight Club... How in the world are you getting new people to show up to Fight Club? There lies the problem and the conundrum. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Someone's got to be talking about it, and that obviously means that someone's breaking the rule, but, I, like, it doesn't seem like there's any consequence for breaking the first rule. So, like, why are we not allowed to talk about it? We shall see the further we go along. Got it. So all I've understood is that you can't say anything. But, like, you see my annoyance. You can't not- you can't talk about it, but yet you somehow always have new people showing up to this place to beat the crap out of each other. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, logically, it shouldn't make sense. That's not how you get more people to join your club. They have a void, and it's filling that void. I get but again that. I'm just confused on how they get more people in the door. <laughs> It's like, hey, you have bruises. That looks like fun. Tell me more. But they can't. I, I, I can't. You can follow me. Sure, I'll trust you and I'll follow you. But that's still like, no. I know. I know. I know. I don't but like it. <laughs> it's basically saying that men are just simple creatures and they can easily be <laughs> coaxed into joining a club just by visual appearance and very little information alone. You're not completely wrong there. Doesn't take a lot to sometimes convince me and some of my other male friends to go do stuff. Not illegal stuff, <laughs> but like, just like, someone could legitimately be like, hey, come out, and I'd be like, no, and then they'd send me a picture, and I'm like, well... I haven't been out in, like, a month. Maybe I should leave my room. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing chaos is blurring around in the areas that wasn't shown in the photo. I but live in London. I live in London. Chaos is blurring in every corner. <laughs> <laughs> if I want chaos, I have to walk out of the house and, like, you know, down the street for maybe five minutes. If I go five minutes of walking, I'm sure I can find some form of chaos. I live closer to pubs than I do my actual grocery store. Pubs are are heartbeats of London. I'm to understand. So, yeah. Hey, if it's a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night, I hear the pub next door until about two or three in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it's muted sounds, but like, you know, if I want to find chaos, it's not far. <laughs> it's right Fair there. Enough. <laughs> but well well we've already gone on this tangent of me not understanding rules and talking about chaos we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back and keep talking about you know apparently how they get more people here because i'm still confused on how that works hello everyone i hope you were enjoying this episode of post finale as we continue going through fight club and i guess we finally learned the rules of Fight Club and that you shouldn't talk about Fight Club, but as you can tell, I'm still quite annoyed that it's one of the rules. It doesn't make much sense to me. Anyway, 
If you are enjoying the episode, you want to help support the show on Patreon, we would really appreciate that. Any of the money made from the Patreon goes directly back into the show to help make it a better show. You can do so and gain access to loads of bonus content as well. Just head over to patreon.com slash postfinale. You can sign up for any of the tiers, and it is greatly appreciated. If you cannot support the show in a monetary way but still want to help out the show, we appreciate that as well. Leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you are using, just leave us a review. Any reviews help, and I appreciate all of you that have done that. Be sure to talk about us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever they've decided to call that one now. But the tag is at postfinalepod on all three of those social medias. And I am working on setting up a TikTok, but I'm not completely sure what the content is going to be yet. But I will let you all know when that is up and going. But for now, it's just Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure to talk about us, share the show with people. That helps me and the rest of the crew a lot. And I appreciate anyone who has already done this or will do this in the future. And for right now, let's go continue talking about Fight Club. And I will probably get even more annoyed about the rules. So now we're fighting. And Ricky couldn't remember if he had ordered blue or black pens. Ricky, I don't blame you. I don't remember if I've ordered things as well. And, you know, but didn't matter because he was a god for 10 minutes after trouncing the maitre d' of a local food court. And you weren't alive anywhere else like you were alive at Fight Club. But the narrator does also explain, like, it's hard because you can't talk to people. You couldn't see them in day-to-day life. And we kind of see him, you know, he sees Ricky at work. He sees this maitre d' at the local food court which it wasn't a food court that was a full-on restaurant but Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was not a food court so but like you can't talk to them because you'd be talking to a different person in fight club you're not who you are the rest of the time and then he also explains that the first time you show up to fight club you're a wad of cookie dough and after a few weeks you're carved out of wood I'm not really sure how cookie dough and wood are related, but, like, I, I appreciate the analogy. Yeah, the, the, the analogy was actually um, useful to that aspect because after watching so long and the little clips or the montages of the fights, you do see these, metaphorically, bunny, soft of caliber of men, and then later on, they're like taking hits like no one's business, and maybe they're winning their their fights, and the other person is losing because they're new or whatever. So yeah. they have the better experience, the more the confidence, and everything. Yeah, one thing that I will say, I did appreciate in their rules. We didn't talk about it earlier, but I did appreciate that anyone can call stop, anyone can tap out, and that's just it. You you call it when you call it, that's it. No questions, no quarrels, move on. Like, that's it. Which I thought was really good, because they were like, look, we're not here to, like, you know, kill each other. Right. We're just here to have some fun. Yeah, blow off some steam. 
get out what you need. Blow off some steam. Yeah. So the then Tyler and the narrator are talking, and they first talk, what celebrities would you fight? Tyler says, it doesn't matter if they're dead or alive. Tyler says, Ernest Hemingway. Interesting. I don't know. He didn't really explain why, but okay. Narrator says, William Shatner. Oh, sounds like it would be a fun one. Who would you fight? I think mine would be a fictional character, like as a famous person instead of the famous person who plays the character. And only, and only, um, because I would want to be in that universe and I get a lot of uh, feedback for this. I would probably fight one of the last known Valkyries. So it wouldn't be Tessa Tonk, you know, like it wouldn't be Tessa. It would be her as the Valkyrie. Great. So what I've understood if you've just chosen death because she is one of the greatest warriors to ever live in the history of Asgard and you decided I'ma go fight that Hey, so here's the thing. We we don't we don't know fully that the people don't know my backstory and everyone all mistakes me for her anyways. Like um on some like hey you kind of favor yeah no that i i know plus i do have my own martial arts background and everything else too so i don't be that easy but i'll put myself in that you know maybe when i die i'll become a valkyrie too you know maybe i go to valhalla and, and stuff and i can help replenish the ranks of valkyries <laughs> sure. but yeah yeah speaking of you saying that people mistake you. I was walking through Leicester Square today and I saw this Spotify ad and at a quick glance, like I caught it out of the corner of my eye. I was like, wait, Adoria? And then I looked at it properly and I was like, no, okay. I was like, she would have told me if she did something like that big. Like, I'm like, I would have heard from her and been like, hi, I did a thing. <laughs> yes, I think the more, you know, we, we stay in this business and stuff, the more I, I hear it, and obviously the bigger I get, it will come up probably in conversations. And I'm like, well, that'd be cool and all to, to be saying I have a likeness to. Like, maybe we can be cast as, like, siblings or something or cousins. Like, I'm all for it. So she's, she's great. She's phenomenal. She does a lot of great work. Definitely versatile. And that's well-rounded. Like, I, I want to be. I mean, I... I didn't know that I knew a lot of her work until like I sat back and like had to Google, you know, after so many people were saying certain It is a very fun time when you start Googling an actor and you're like, oh, wait, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Wow. I've seen a lot of things that this person is in just without realizing that I've seen a lot of things that this person is in. <laughs> exactly. Which leads me to this film also, too. So it circles back. So it's a perfectly good tangent that... I didn't fully realize in the grasping, and no matter how many times I saw this film, that that was Jared Leto in here. Like, where's Jared Leto? He was the bleach blonde guy. What bleach blonde guy? Like the really nice. So in the club, when you see the the circling around and the new faces, the one that kicks people out. Did he kick someone out? Like the bar owner. No, 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 wait, 
No, not the that guy that not, not the guy that opens the trap door to the cellar. No. So he's one Hold of on. the guys that walk in. He's in the cellar. One second. I'm Googling. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I have put together who he is. We have gotten to this point, right? Yeah. So we're talking about the guys and the softness or whatever. So he hasn't been fully highlighted. He doesn't really have a lot of major, you know, speaking or significant part, but he is one of the, the guys. He's just there. You know, you... Fair enough. Okay. That's why I didn't catch who it was. And also, I don't think I've seen a lot of Jared Leto's work now that I think about it. I I have. And it's crazy that I really didn't understand the evolution of his acting. And he's phenomenal for to be a, a great musician. And an actor, like, I got to give him his props as well. Like, I don't think a lot of people give him his flowers. So, but he's 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 very talented. Yeah, I've seen a couple of things that he's been in, but the majority in a quick Google search I have not seen. But, you know, that's kind of the point of this show, is that I yes. haven't seen things. Fair, yeah. So what were we talking about? I would suggest, though, Alexander. If you when you if you haven't seen it, I haven't even heard of it. Oh my gosh, Colin Farrell, Angelina Jolie, who is it else in it? Rosario Dawson. It's 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 a mini history lesson, like how Brad was in Troy. This is like Alexander for Alexander the Great. Just oh, definitely haven't seen Troy either. <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> I'm just here to be a disappointment. Let's move on. Because if we keep talking about movies, you're just going to question your friendship with me a lot more. So <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't even remember. Ah, um, we're talking about celebrities we would fight. Yes. You said Tessa Thompson as a Valkyrie. We were talking about him earlier in a weird way. I think I would want to fight Rami Malek. Ah, oh, okay. Because something just feels very satisfying. One, I love him. He's incredible. I would love to be able to work with him or have a conversation with him. Just sounds like a great time. But also, something just seems so lovely of getting to punch his perfect jaw. Oh my gosh. Not his face. Not the face. But like, I wouldn't try to like hurt him. But like, if we were both in the fight club... And, like, he was there, I'd be like, you know what? I kind of want to see how this will go. I guess I wish you the best of luck. I don't know. You know, sometimes they say people who are the quietest, you know, <laughs> could probably bring the pain. So that would be interesting. It would I, definitely again, be Again, I feel like it would be an interesting fight. Again, I don't actually want to fight Rami Malek, just to make that clear. But, like, if I had to fight someone, it sounds like it could be fun. And, like, I'm sure that he would get some good shots on me, too. It would be fair. Like, I feel like it would yeah, be a fair fight. I feel like that would be a fairly fair fight. We're both kind of... Yeah, we're both kind of small, scrappy. I don't actually know how tall he is. He might be tall. But, like, we're both skinny, scrappy. <laughs> Are you now looking up how tall Rami Malek is? I am. <laughs> I, okay. I am. What do we got? Okay, so... Oh, we're just getting ages. Come on. Height. I need your height, sir. We are looking at him at a whopping five, seven and a half. You know what? That's two and a half inches taller than me. We're pretty even. There we go. Let's do this. Yeah. Rami Malik, if you ever hear this, I don't actually want to fight you, but call me. 
or send me a message. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello as well. You know, I love your work. Yeah, you were great. Anyway, moving on. I loved you in Oppenheimer. Um, so everyone sees things differently now that they're in Fight Club. And everywhere he goes, the narrator sees things differently. They're always sizing things up. And he felt bad for the people in the gyms trying to always look like the models. And then we proceed to get a shirtless Brad Pitt and a shirtless Edward Norton, and both are incredibly ripped, so shut up! <laughs> that was a shock. I think the Edward one, <laughs> instead of, you know, Brad, but, I mean, hey, they had to go through some, some grueling things to get that physique, so... I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, you know, you also look like the model, so stop talking! <laughs> 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 um, but the fight club wasn't about winning it wasn't about losing and it's not about words because most of the time you can't figure out what they're saying anyway it's jumble mumble but when the fight was over nothing was solved but nothing mattered the narrator says this while he is getting his head pounded into the ground we then see a pool of blood the left side of his face is completely bloody, and we move on. Intense. Intense. Very intense. The only time that my face has ever been that bloody is after I crashed a bicycle. One of the times. Can't tell you how many times I flipped over in a bike, and it didn't stop me, you know. Oh, I fell off my bike like two months ago. It happens. I legitimately texted my parents. I was like, I fell off my bike. They were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just sore. And they were like, okay. And we just moved on. <laughs> yeah, I have no words to that. Um, <laughs> see, I've, I've perfected, you know, bicycle riding now to where I can even just ride without using my hands. <laughs> but I can as well. I'm very good at riding my bike. It was just one of those freak instances where, like, I somehow lost balance. So my foot slipped off the pedal. I went to go put it back on the pedal like you do. And I mistimed it by about half a second, which happens. But this one time, my body and my bike just said no, and I crashed. <laughs> I mean, I'll blame the road. I'll blame the road before I blame me and the bike. It's, it's like It was a pothole. It was, it was a smooth road. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. I know, but I gotta be transparent to the listeners. They have to understand that, like, I fell and it was probably my fault. <laughs> I promise you, anyone who's listening in the industry, he's not clumsy. Still hire him. Thank you. I'm not. Like, I, I appreciate that. I'm not that clumsy. Again, like, things happen. The best was someone coming up to me going, are you okay? And my immediate thought was, have you ever experienced someone falling off their bicycle and being okay? No to casting directors. Hire him and put a bicycle on set and then watch the comedy unfold. So. <laughs> i clumsy. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so They are then, you know, at the hospital getting stitched up and they say that, so this is where I started thinking. I was like, what are the elaborate lies that they start telling people, like their colleagues and stuff? Which is where the first question came from of the day. Turns out, this one was I fell down the stairs. Pretty straightforward. Cool. Didn't have to be elaborate. Here we go. But Fight Club 
also became a reason to cut your hair short, trim your nails. As someone who has long hair, yeah, fair enough. But as they're doing this, we then get the fun question, historical figures, who would you fight? The narrator says Gandhi. Feel like that would be an interesting fight. Tyler says Lincoln. Feel like that would be an interesting fight. Do you have a response? It's okay if you don't. I don't know where I would start. I mine would be all tyrants, you know, Hitler or um, Napoleon or something like. Yeah, uh, I would. I would try to knock the crap out of all of these dictatorships and people who cause mass genocides and stuff. Like, yeah, you, they can catch these hands. So yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I don't have an answer for this one. I don't. I thought I agreed with Tyler though that Lincoln would be an interesting one. I don't know why, oh. but I just feel like it would be interesting. Cause he he has the 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 height, the length, you know, the whiff span. Like, look, I want to find of... out if you know you see it in cartoons. The tall person sticks out the hand and just stops the little guy from getting there. I want to see if that's true. I spoiler alert, it isn't. It isn't true. Small people are scrappy. But... <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, the narrator then pulls out a tooth, goes, oh, and then drops it down the drain. Moving on. So, Marla calls the house, asking where the narrator has been for the last eight weeks. And she knows that he hasn't been going to his support groups because she cheated. And he reveals that he has a new kind of support group, but it's for men only. And she's like, like the testicular cancer one? And I'm like, not quite. <laughs> so she says that she has been going to Debtors Anonymous and that currently she has a stomach full of Xanax. She then says, have you ever heard a person die before? And, you know, she starts describing how this is more of a cry for help. And here are some of the fun questions that she says. Do you want to wait and hear me describe death? Do you want to listen and see if my spirit can use a phone? Have you ever heard a death rattle before? The narrator then proceeds to very carefully place the receiver down without cutting off the line and just walks away. And immediately, I was like, Tyler is gonna meet Marla. So, I saw that coming. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't have to try very hard for that prediction. Currently... My predictions are not going well, because I thought Tyler already had the Fight Club established. That was wrong. But I still feel like the rest of them could still work. Tyler could still be doing the shady things, and Project Mayhem is still his creation, just he's not using the Fight Club as a front for it. But I think he is still the leader of Project Mayhem. I think Marla is still going to divulge information about Fight Club. She's somehow going to figure out about it. And she's going to divulge that information, and that's going to lead to some chaos ensuing. But we then get a wild, weird sex dream about Marla from the narrator's point of view for 10 seconds. And then Ty's door is closed, and there are condoms in the toilet. At least he was using protection. So the narrator hears footsteps, and he starts to say that he cannot believe the dream that he just had. And in walks Marla. Yeah. She also can't believe anything about last night. And the narrator's face. <gasps> yeah, it, it, it got serious and interesting really quickly at that point. 
Yeah, I was invested. I was like, all right, where's this going? I want to know. So the narrator asks what she's doing in his house, and Marla responds with, fuck you, and leaves. Tyler comes in laughing and is just like, you got some fucked up friends. I'm telling you. So, yep. Yeah. I have Limer, though, written in my notes. I feel like I typed something in wrong. Because the word's definitely not Limer that he says there. But I don't remember what the word is now. He he definitely pokes the bear and, you know, it's just like, you know, kind of slept with your friend. It's limber. The word is limber. I figured it out. (laughs) I missed the B. So, (laughs) turns out that... You know, Ty starts explaining what happened, but the narrator's like, I already know what, what, what happened. Tyler picked up the receiver, and then he went to go meet Marla. Marla is high. Very high. And the apartment has newspapers everywhere. There, the mattress is sealed in slippery plastic. And on the dresser, there is a massive dildo. But then Marla, very casually, looks at Tyler and just says, Don't worry. Not a threat to you. The immense laughter like the roar of laughter that I had. The way he bumped into the nightstand, the way it jiggled, the way he looked at it, and she casually responds, was just pure comedy gold and perfect timing. They hit their markers, and it was just funny. It was great. It was a lovely little sequence. Then we hear sirens, and apparently someone called the cops. So Tyler and Marla start to leave. The cops see them as they're coming in and as they're running away tyler keeps having to like drag her away and marla keeps yelling things at the cops here's all the fun things that she yelled because i'm me and decided to write them down so you know the girl who lives there used to be charming lovely girl she's lost faith in herself she's a monster she's infectious human waste good luck trying to save her i love the slow deterioration of she was good. No. Yeah, because someone, and I, I'm, I'm interested to know who uh, called, but called on her, you know, because she's like on like a suicide watch. Like, who ratted her out and she had to escape with Tyler. And he did a very masterful job of, you know, pretending to be like a couple in the hallway. And then she pretends to help to find whoever they're looking for. But she antagonized on the way out. And he's like, if you just don't be quiet, it's like, in a minute, I'm going to throw you over my shoulder and just take you out. That's the type of energy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So Marla says that if she falls asleep, she's done for. Ty has to keep her up all night. Well, he did that. So the narrator is adamant that he's not into her. And then he says, Jack's raging bile duct do you have any idea what that means Mm -mm. great listeners if anyone knows let us know moving on so tyler then calls her a predator posing as a house pet and stuff she said he ain't ever heard we then cut to a singular line very fucked up if you don't want to hear it skip 15 seconds My god, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. I laughed so hard, but that is so dark. Yeah, especially from all the yelling and moaning she was doing. I'm like, what 
happen in, in grade, grade school? school? I don't want to know. I don't either. I'm good. The narrator says that she has invaded his home. And Tyler says if you talk to her or anyone about him or what goes on in the house, they are done. And then we get a joyous montage of hearing Tyler and Marla have sex. And let me just say, it's very loud sex. Like, impressively loud. I mean, it's shaking the house. It's... The entire house! It's making debris fall on our narrator <laughs> while he's trying to work out and just mind his own business. Uh, no matter where he went in the house, he, he heard He it. could hear him. I mean, he could have apparently moved to another room where he may not have heard them, but he didn't. And one of these times, the door is slightly ajar. The narrator, with his curiosity, decides I'm gonna go have a little peeky peek of why they need to be so loud. He starts creeping up to the door, and then Tyler swings it open and just goes, you want to finish her off? Like, dude, what the fuck? And she's over there just rolling off the bed like, hey, oh, I found the cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) The narrator then says, I have become the calm center of the world. I am a Zen master. Tuning it all out. Tuning it all out. It's a skill. It's a hard skill. So we're then at work. And on the computer, you have this little, little ditty. Worker bees can leave. Even drones can fly. The queen is their slave. Turns out he writes haikus and sends them to everyone. He then flipped really quick to the list of people. There are 2,395 people on that email list. I wonder how many of them don't even open the email or have just already sent him to the junk mail. Yeah, I didn't notice that number, but wow. Yeah. Wow. It's surprisingly large. It's impressive, but... Wow. (laughs) So the narrator's boss asks if it's blood on his shirt, and then is like, you can't smoke in here. And he's like, you know what? Go home, get yourself situated, come back on Monday. And... The narrator then says, like, he would get in everyone's face. It's like, yes, the bruises are from fighting. I'm comfortable with that. I am enlightened. Great. Here we go. He's enlightened. What's he enlightened about? So, as Tyler and Marla continue to have their impressively loud sex, the narrator tries to scrub out the stains in his shirts. And then the phone rings. It's the detective from... The arson unit, his name is Detective Stern from the arson unit with an update on the condo. And I had a thought here. I was like, did Tyler have something to do with this? I know you cannot say a lot, so I appreciate you not making a face. But I had the thought, did Tyler have something to do with this? And we'll learn a little bit more. So what we have found out from this detective is that someone sprayed Fran on the front door lock and then tapped it with the chisel to shatter the cylinder. And the detective asks if it sounds strange, and he's like, yep. And also, I would just like to point out, I like how the detective's feet is up on his desk. Like, he's just relaxing while having this phone call, which is apparently, like, every cop movie, anything that I've ever seen where someone's a detective, someone's a cop of some sorts, their feet are always on their desk. Legitimately, I think every single time. 
at some point their feet are on their desk. I guess so. I, I mean, I see more so of like the intensity, the making the calls, the getting mad, frustrated, flaring papers off their desk or arguing with their superior or something. But then after a while, maybe maybe they are cocky. Maybe they, they know who it is. Maybe they're about to wrap up the case. The feet does find its way on top of the desk. It does. It does. It does. In a different way, but it's always there. And if you don't believe me, go watch your favorite detective show or detective movie. Like, I kind of feel like you will find at least one shot of someone's feet on their desk. Definitely. And if anyone has watched Lucifer, like I have, it definitely does in there. And they're, they're in the precinct almost 50% of the time, if not more. And someone's feet does go up on the desk. Yeah, I've seen the first three seasons of Lucifer, and then I just kind of trailed off and didn't finish it. But I probably should at some point. It's good. It is, it is. Lucifer, feet up on the desk. Psych, feet up on the desk. White collar, feet end up on the desk. That's three off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing more. I mean, we can go to movies. We can then talk about um, all the little cop ones, especially the the comedy ones. They do it. I can think of um, with Will Ferrell and um, Mark Wahlberg. Daddy's home? No. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg and um, Will Ferrell did the, uh, what was it? They did Daddy's home. No, the... And Daddy's home, too. Neither no, are the cop movies. It's, it's a cop one. I have um, no idea what you're talking about in case you haven't put that together by now. The, the other guys. The other guys. So they're they're that's hilarious. It's a great comedy, and it it was hilarious. I don't know if I've seen it. It uh, it's a it's a must watch. Let's put it this way: I've been told to watch it. I don't think I ever have, based on what just popped up on IMDb when I did a quick search. I feel like I would have remembered that. Samuel Jackson in the Rock make uh, cameos and super funny what they say and do eva mendez uh, michael keaton is the captain like i love me some side note one of my favorite batmans gonna say that there i've only seen four batman films and it's the nolan trilogy recently i didn't watch the nolan, nolan trilogy until like christmas last year and okay. i saw the new one with robert pattinson when it came out Okay. So you don't know the old school Batmans with all the nice star-studded cast of villains who played the villains. No. I would definitely have I do a... know that one of the iterations has nipples in the costume. I think that's the George Clooney one. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's with my girl Ivy and that's Uma Thurman and then there is Mr. Freeze who is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I've never actually seen a film that Arnold Schwarzenegger has been in. Wow. Ever. I've never seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, which is like hard to do because he's been in a lot. And I do watch right. action From movies and stuff. stuff to action, you know, like, yeah, that's, huh. 
Yeah. He's in holiday yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Arnold Schwarzenegger in a film. I'm sure it'll change at some point, but like we're not there yet. Anyway, we were talking about a very important phone call that was happening from this detective stern. So apparently the dynamite left a residue of ammonium oxalate potassium chloride. And my question was soap? We don't get an answer to my question, but we do get told that all this meant was that it was homemade, which made me think more and more. Is this Tyler? Did Tyler initiate this? Like, is this somehow Tyler's doing to get this guy on board? To get our narrator on board with Tyler? I don't know. We'll find out. And so, whoever sent the homemade dynamite could have blown out the pilot light days before the actual explosion. The gas was just a detonator. And Tyler shows up and says, Tell him the liberator who destroyed my property has realigned my perception. Which was just weird. Just the way that he said it was weird. Something about it. I'm starting to have more and more doubts about Tyler and whether or not he is who he says he is. And the director asks if the narrator has made any enemies with anyone who may have access to homemade dynamite. And I'm like, not enemies, but he has a friend. And he's masked up. But the narrator says, of course this is serious, I'm taking this seriously. The condo was my life. It wasn't just a bunch of stuff that blew up, it was me. And then he proceeds to go, I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> Which made me laugh out loud. Yes. And... Then Tyler says, just tell him that you did it. That's what he wants to hear anyway. Narrator asks if he's a suspect, and the detective says no, but that he may need to talk to him a little more, so inform him if he's leaving town, which pretty much means you're a suspect. Yeah. He didn't bluntly come out and say it, but, I mean, he said it. Yeah. So I'm making another bold prediction, and I don't know if it's that bold, but it's a prediction, is that Tyler did actually set up the explosives. In our narrator's home. And I think our narrator is going to find this out probably within like the next half hour of the film. And then it's going to lead to some big blow up argument between the two of them. Which is why Tyler isn't fully on board for Project Mayhem. And ends up with the gun in his mouth. Something along the lines. But I feel like Tyler and our narrator are going to have a falling out of some sort fairly soon here. Probably something that we are going to be discussing in the next episode. Thanks for nodding your head inconspicuously and not having an expression on your face. I appreciate it. Moving on. So Marla comes in with her beautiful insight. A condom is the glass slipper of our generation. She explains. You slip one on when you meet a stranger. You dance all night. Well, you do some sort of dance. And then you throw it away. The condom, not a stranger. I think... That was the most random analogy I have ever heard. Um, and it still didn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I kind of got it, but I was like, ah, uh, what? Yeah, no, I'm with the narrator on this one. I'm confused, too. Like, it, it kind of makes sense, but like, what? <laughs> so she then proceeds to explain. She got her dress. It's a bridesmaid's dress. She got it for a dollar. And it was loved for a day and then tossed it away like a Christmas tree and she's moving closer to the narrator 
who is back to just trying to get these stains out of his clothes, and she grabs his crotch. My jaw dropped, and I'm like, she's caressing him, and she supposedly just left the room with Tyler. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I have so many questions and predictions, but... I'm just, I'm going to watch as this unfolds because he's not swatting her hand away. And he legitimately another, just continues <laughs> trying to get the stains out of his shirt. Oh, no, oh, no. He tensed up, too. He stopped what he was doing. He had even the over-the-shoulder looking at her and acknowledging her being there, her presence, and talking to her. My thing was the whole time while the groping, she's still holding this lit cigarette and he was scrubbing his clothes in the sink. I'm like, she's so close to touching his clothes and could burn a hole in it. That's the, the main thing that was going through my head. Like, oh, no, she's going to ruin his, his pants when he's trying so hard to scrub with a toothbrush. Exactly. So. Like, come on. At least have some decency. Put out the cigarette. Yes. Anyway, so the narrator explains that except for when Tyler and Marla are humping, they're never in the same room. And it kind of feels like he's back in, you know, his six-year-old self because this is what his parents used to do. So Tyler comes back, says, get rid of her. And the narrator is like, great, I'm six years old again, just passing messages between my parents. And Marla comes in, calls him a nutcase, and that she can't keep up with him, and then leaves. If anyone's the nutcase, Marla... It's you. Pot kettle. But Tyler sees them, calls them kids, and then the narrator asks a very valid question. Why do you waste your time with her? And Tyler just says at least she's trying to hit rock bottom. I didn't really get that line, but okay. Um, My only grasp from it is he wants people to hit rock bottom so bad. He's like been reiterating this. It's just like... You can only go up from rock bottom. So maybe once she hits the, I'm tired of being this way or living this way, it's only up from there. So Maybe, but I also don't get why he wants people to hit rock bottom so bad. Me neither. I like how you're acting like you don't know what happens. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get paid to do. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like it's your job. So, the narrator then asks Tyler, alright, what are we doing tonight? Tyler says, we're making soap, and the first thing that we need to do to make soap is render fat. That's as far as I've gotten. I do not know what happens next. I feel like we're gonna go on a very long soap-making endeavor. I'm excited to learn how to make soap! I really hope that it's accurate. Because I'm not going to lie, I've never really tried to make soap. I've carved soap, that's very fun. But I've never made it. I wouldn't use this movie as a reference. Just stick to TikTok and YouTube. <laughs> I'm technically on TikTok. I show up, I post, I leave. I don't scroll. Yeah, no, I mean, just like in a searching kind of way. Like, yeah, but YouTube is your friend. Like, if you want to oh, learn I'm how to Oh, I'm on YouTube all the time. Like, uh, yeah. I I don't know. See, after we get through the whole soap experience of this film, as a bonus episode, I may do a fun little thing 
of looking up a proper video of how to make soap and compare. But that's where we're ending this episode. Adoria, thank you so much for joining. You've been thank you for having wonderful. Me. Yeah, if people want to find you on the internet, doing things, you know, living your life, how do they do that? Where can they find you? You can find me pretty much on all social media platforms. Um, but if you're looking on IG or Facebook or anything of that nature, I am Adoria underscore K underscore Lewis. That's L-E-W, not the L-O-U-I-S. And or you can also look at at Thick Pocahontas. I'm also on Twitch and things like that and gaming things. Yes. I do dabble in a lot of things. I like to be entertained. <laughs> Join the club. Wonderful. Well, Adoria, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I'll catch y'all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. The podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to support the show in a monetary way, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale and signing up for any of the tiers. Any of the money made from the Patreon will go directly back into the show to help pay for the show and help make the show a better show. If you cannot support the show on Patreon, that is completely okay. Be sure to talk about us and follow us on social media at PostFinalePod, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, whatever podcasting app you are using. Reviews help us a lot, and it's a great way to help increase the show's popularity and sharing it with others. That is another thing that you can do. I appreciate anyone who has shared the show, will share the show. All of it really helps. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And be sure to tune in next week when I guess we're going to figure out how we make soap. But until then, I'll catch y'all later.